hello! Welcome to episode four of Tech Swamp. Of course, we have our hosts and your friendly neighborhood membership team here today. Hey, Nick. Hey, Alex. How are you doing? Pretty good. Caitlin, what's up? You know, just membership chilling. Just membership chilling. And this is Alex. Today we're talking all things AppCon. For those who don't know, AppCon is our annual app economy conference where a bunch of our members come to DC to learn about top tech policy issues and hit the hill to meet with their representatives to discuss those pressing issues for small businesses in tech. Today we're highlighting the top issues we discussed during AppCon this year and kicking it to our members to hear more about their stories and how their businesses are affected by these top issues. But first, we're talking tech history and checking out what's brewing in DC. April 28, 2003, iTunes Music Store launched. That's right, 15 years ago, we were introduced to the Apple iTunes Music Store. Songs were 99 cents a piece. They could be listened to with the Apple iPod and iTunes software. Um, And they sold 1 million songs in their first week, which is pretty big. I'm sure I contributed to that. Um, iTunes is now the number one music retailer in the U.S., surpassing Walmart in 2008. The day the iTunes store opened, Stuck in a Moment by U2 was the top seller, and the top album was Beck's Sea Change. Fun fact, I just saw Beck on Friday. He paid for two hours, played, not paid, and it was amazing. And um, and I have I a lot Beck. of FOMO about that. <laughs> it was so great. Um, and that's it for Tech History. That sound means it's time for What's Brewing in D.C. Caitlin and Nick, what's going on? Well, not to toot our own horn, but we're What's Brewing in D.C., So we recently released our App Economy report, and great news, we're thriving. Just to highlight a few figures, the App Economy has a $950 billion value and employs 4.7 million Americans. And the pay is not bad either. The average salary of a job in the App Economy is $86,000, which is nearly double the national average of $48,000. We are also adding jobs, jobs, jobs. (laughs) At its current rate, the app economy will add 440,000 new jobs to the American workforce by 2024. All this is obviously great news, but but there are a few gaps and trends that are holding the app economy back. For example, for every eight available computing jobs, there's only one computer science grad to fill it. On top of that, 34 million Americans can't benefit from the app economy because they don't even have access to the internet. Fun fact, that's roughly the population of California. Not a really fun fact, but you get it. We're going to be talking through solutions to some of these problems Nick highlighted later on the podcast. Yep. And in the meantime, for more information on the App Economy Report, by the way, shout out to Roya, Eric, and Adarsh for this amazing report. Um, You can head to our website and check out our show notes. We're going to be giving all the links, including coverage from Politico, Forbes, and several other news outlets. Remember when we said we'd update you about the Facebook testimony? Well, we're following up on that. Last month, Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee and the House Energy and Commerce Committee on Facebook's recent data privacy scandal. Zuckerberg testified in front of the Senate for five and a half hours and answered countless questions. It's a long time. And, you know, one of the things we were discussing during and after the hearings are the types of questions asked by members of Congress. Senator Orrin Hatch asked a series of questions that may have seemed obvious or like it was information he should have already known, and he likely did know it. The reason for that approach was probably because he wanted those answers on the record, not because he, the chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, doesn't understand how Facebook makes their money. Very true. And that's not to say that every member who is asking the more obvious questions had the same approach, but something to keep in mind. 
Something else to keep in mind are some of the possible outcomes from these hearings. One possibility is overregulation, which we're, which we're urging against. ACT President Morgan Reed said in his official statement, We're concerned that Facebook's efforts to right the privacy wrongs could lead to misguided calls for policies that require exhaustive audits of every app or website that interacts with any platform. A regulatory requirement to audit all apps would place an insurmountable burden on innovative companies and lock in big players. Not all platforms are alike in how they handle consumer data. In fact, platform competition on privacy is happening today and likely to increase. Regulation that restricts what those platforms can do and how they can compete could stifle existing efforts to achieve greater consumer privacy. For a full statement, head to our website, actonline.org. And one more thing. Last week, the United States Supreme Court delivered a victory for patent holders of all sizes. The Supreme Court's decision in the Oil States Energy Services versus Greens Energy Group case found the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office's Interparties Review (IPR) process to be a legal to be an appropriate legal avenue to assess a product's patentability after it receives its initial grant. This case is extremely important for the patent system because IPR provides a cost-efficient process for app developer app developers and other intellectual property holders to maintain the integrity of their patent rights and protect against dubious infringement cases. And that's the news. Since we're all AppCon this episode, our policy deep dive is focused around some of our top AppCon topics, including lawful access to data, broadband infrastructure, and computer science education and workforce development. Let's kick it off with lawful access to data. Our first stop is a visit to our old friend, the Cloud Act. As you may remember from past TechSwamp episodes, the Cloud Act established a framework for governments to address conflicts in their laws regarding law enforcement access to data. These conflicts often place businesses in the middle of, of the two governments around when and how law enforcement can access data stored abroad during criminal investigations. The Cloud Act also provides a framework for companies to meet the needs of U.S. law enforcement while respecting the rights of their foreign customers who may have different protections under foreign law. There are really two key next steps to provide further clarity for U.S. tech companies. The first is to encourage Congress to put pressure on the Department of Justice to negotiate comity agreements that will establish the clear rules between the U.S. and foreign governments on when and how law enforcement can access stored data. The second is to provide updates to outdated laws from the 80s. Yeah, and the law that we're specifically talking about here is the Email Communications Privacy Act, which was passed in 1986. Under the Email Communications Privacy Act, data stored electronically was treated differently than physical communications or data that may have been stored in a file cabinet. If data was requested for a criminal, criminal investigation, law enforcement could access data that was older than 180 days with just a subpoena issued by a prosecutor rather than a warrant that must be issued by an objective judge. And so a great way to update that very outdated 1980s law is by throwing our support and advocacy behind the Email Privacy Act. And the Email Privacy Act issues a warrant standard for electronic communications data to ensure that warrants are necessary to access data for criminal investigations, no matter where or how long the data is stored. The Email Privacy Act also places restrictions on unlimited gag orders placed on businesses that manage stored data for their customers. The Email Privacy Act basically helps our members because it provides clarity about when and by whom data can be accessed by law enforcement for criminal investigations, and it allows businesses to be transparent with their customers about legal responsibilities. 
when we were up on the Hill during APCON, we were urging the Senate to pass the Email Privacy Act because it was passed by the House unanimously. Um, we understand that now that the bill is in the Senate, there might be some changes, but we're asking that they stick to the as close as they can to the original text that was passed in the House. Absolutely. So the next issue that we really focused on was broadband infrastructure. And there are really two solutions to the gap in access to broadband that exists right now. The first is TV white spaces, which really focuses on bringing more connectivity to rural areas. And the second is 5G and small cell deployment, which really helps to support the Internet of Things and all of the new innovations coming out. Yeah. Did you guys know that currently 34 million Americans lack access to broadband? Cray. It is cray. And... Over uh, 19 million uh, of those Americans live in rural places, and one solution to that problem might be television white spaces. And if you're wondering what television white spaces are, basically it is a technology that utilizes unused, unlicensed spectrum to deliver broadband internet to our nation's underserved rural communities in the same way that licensed spectrum delivers television broadcast to communities across the country. And television white space technology offers a much more cost-effective method to deliver broadband to Americans across the nation using a resource we already have. And connecting unserved Americans with wireless broadband could cost up to $40 billion. Deploying fiber to rural Americans could cost up to $65 billion. However, a mix of deployment that includes television white spaces could cost as little as $8 billion. And the great news is that we already have two channels that have been released. We're just asking for the release of one more channel. And this follows under the FCC's jurisdiction, but Congress can also act to codify this resource in order to bring uh, internet to rural Americans. 19 million rural Americans, to be exact. It's a lot. Television white space is the only way that we're looking to uh, bring more connectivity to America's across country. Another one, as Alex mentioned, is the rollout of 5G infrastructure. 5G can play a can play a key driver uh, in IT innovations, which we will depend on for faster and denser networks that will support smart cities, autonomous vehicles, and connected devices. And again, we're calling on the FCC to work with state and local municip municipalities to remove some of these regulatory barriers that may prevent small cell deployment and will support 5G. The FCC has done um, a pretty good job at removing some of these initial barriers, um, but there is definitely more work to be done here. Absolutely. And I think the gist, the key takeaway for these two things is that TV white spaces and 5G and small cell deployment are really two solutions to the broadband infrastructure and the broadband gap. One is really going to provide more access to rural communities, and one is really going to support the IoT growth and the innovations that you guys are making. Um, and our final stop on the policy train bringing it back around, is computer science education. Yeah, this is one of the issues that we know that our members care a lot about. And it's very important uh, to underline the total growth of sort of the app economy. So the 21st century economy requires a workforce equipped with computer science skills. However, our education system has failed to keep pace with the growing demand for American workers with computer science backgrounds and qualifications. Uh, as we mentioned before, uh, the average salary for someone working in computer science is $86,000, but more than 500,000 computing jobs remain unfilled in this country. We only graduated about 59,000 uh, college graduates with computer science degrees in the last year, and so if we do some quick math there, for every eight available computing jobs, there's only one computer science graduate to fill it, so we have a lot of work to do. That was really quick math. Thank you. <laughs> 
Uh, one thing we can do to help fill that gap is call upon Congress to appropriate $250 million for computer science education grades K through 12. I know $250 million sounds like a lot, and honestly to us it is, but when you look at the uh, larger U.S. budget, it really does not amount to that much, and it would make a huge difference uh, when it comes to workforce development. Absolutely. And I think another key agent in workforce development um, is to urge Congress to pass the Championing Apprenticeships for New Careers in Technology Act, also known as the Chance in Tech Act. Um, This act really essentially has Congress giving the Department of Labor initiative to provide resources specifically for apprenticeship programs that would help bridge the gap in unfilled computing jobs. And now we're kicking it to our members to talk us through their stories and the issues they find most important. All right, we're here live at AppCon. Miguel is our first member for the podcast. Miguel, why don't you run through what you do and what your business is? I feel like such a guinea pig. (laughs) Um, I'm actually just a consultant. I have a a one-man operation. I do subcontractors once in a while when I need them. Um, But I do general consultancy, uh, architecture and development, um, general advisory. Right now I'm serving as kind of a virtual architect for for a client where I develop products for them, infrastructure products, but I also serve uh, as their kind of their chief architect uh, from remote because they're actually not even in this country. Can I ask what country they're in? They're in Canada. Okay. So not too far. No, no. (laughs) Well, that's... Far or near with when it comes to Canada is kind of a little subjective, right? That is, okay, that is true. Um, so of the issues that we're discussing at AppCon and AppCon past that you've attended, what is an issue that you feel most passionately about or that maybe affects your business the most? Um, it's, it's hard to answer that without coming across completely geeky, right? How do you tell somebody I'm passionate about a spectrum? Um, there's some issues more than others that I'm, uh, some of them I'm still trying to get my head around exactly how they, how they impact us, how they impact me. Um, like I said, working with a foreign client, um, I don't exactly get impacted by um, legislation. My client doesn't get impacted by American legislation. But I, I, I come here because I'm, I'm always fascinated. I've been working with this client for quite some time, and I'm always fascinated by how they are going to be impacted by our legislation since we do control so much uh, in the technology world in general, especially with a country like Canada that's so close to us. Um, An issue that's of interest to me, hesitate hesitate to say curiosity, but it is interesting, is the whole net neutrality thing because I don't look at it as binary, as black and white, like I think a lot of people do. You know, either open up the net or close up the net. It's not as easy as that. There's uh, some parts of net neutrality that I am in favor of, and there are actually some parts that I'm not in favor of. I'm looking forward to discussing that issue here to see where ACT stands on that, where, where, where we coincide, where we align, um, and, and how it's going to go forward. Uh, you, know, you know, I have a, a 14-year-old daughter. Net neutrality means something completely different to her, you know? She's worried about her Instagram. That is true. Aren't we all? Aren't we all worried about Instagram? Well, Miguel, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, and uh, I'm sure we'll be speaking soon. Thank Thank you very much. I have another victim to talk to me. Jim, can you tell me a little bit about what organization you work for and what you guys are doing? 
Sure. Um, my name is Jim Kathman. I'm with Sheer ID. We are a Oregon-based company. We have a verification services platform. What we do is we enable brands that want to target certain consumers, military, students, first responders. We are the ones that support those programs so that when they target those consumers, we're the ones that have access to the authoritative data sources to verify the people they're targeting or actually the people they're delivering those benefits to. Awesome. So of the issues we've kind of been discussing today, what do you feel the most passionate about or what do you feel impacts your business and what you're doing? I think broadband access generally is really important to us. Um, it's something that because of the businesses that we uh, that we support and we work with, there are a lot of the largest e-commerce companies that are continuing to have broad, wide access to those services. A lot of the services that we support and work with are streaming media services, uh, broadband uh, TV, um, you know, music services and so forth. All of those businesses, it's really important to them to continue to have high-speed access and for that to reach rural communities and, and to be... Uh, as broad as, as broad as possible. So, <laughs> broad and broadband. That's cute. Um, so uh, we think that that's really an important issue for us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me and have a fabulous AppCon. No problem. Thanks. Hey, Emily, do you have a second to talk about AppCon? Absolutely. Awesome. So first, introduce, give me firsty, lasty, your business and what you and your organization do. Great. So it's Emily Hirsch, Unbuttoned Innovation. We're based in Carlsbad, California. And there are two divisions to the business, really. The first one is consulting primarily with technology companies, digital agencies, really helping them grow into their potential. And the second half is custom software development. So taking some of those same clients or others and trying to figure out where their business is headed and build them something fantastic that will get them there. Awesome. And so of, of the issues that we have been discussing during this AppCon, um, what issue do you feel the most passionate about or what issue impacts your business the most? Well, one of the, the top ones that not only impacts mine, but I think our community in Carlsbad and certainly the country is computer science education. And I spend quite a bit of my volunteer time working on that, um, really getting students up to speed, getting them the tools and really across those other issues as well broadband, internet access security, but building that new workforce that all of us need. Myself, other partners, all of our clients need a really talented workforce to keep moving forward. Awesome. Well, I could not have said it better myself. Thank you so much and have a lovely last day of AppCon. Thanks. Looking forward to it. Hey, Thomas, do you have a second to talk about AppCon? For sure. Awesome. So first of all, give me the full rundown. I need the name of your business or organization. Awesome. So we're called Hacksmith Labs. We're based out of Chicago, a group of about 10 people total, and we're a software development agency. So we specialize working with uh, anywhere from local businesses all the way up to the Fortune 500s like Budweiser or Campbell's. And we build mobile apps for both iOS and Android and web apps, um, whether that's dashboards or SAP implementations. Uh, and every now and then we do websites too. So we're, we're all across the board. Pretty dynamic uh, organization you have there. So of the issues that we have been discussing at AppCon this year, what do you feel most passionately about or what do you feel impacts your business the most? So there's two main issues that come to mind immediately. Um, the first one is we're a completely remote organization, meaning that if we don't have internet, we're kind of useless. Uh, also, all our products that we build for all our clients depend on the internet uh, because everything is cloud-based now. So access to uh, faster broadband, reliable internet, uh, and especially if we have interest in working with people in rural areas or our clients have interest in 
uh, addressing the needs of those that live in rural areas, um, that's a huge that's a huge issue. So broadband, TV white spaces, that all is super important. Uh, the other one is encryption. Uh, if we're if we're required to build back doors, one we we're developers and we don't have the resources to build super complex and secure um, back doors for you know the federal government to have access to. One um, that type of talent is super hard to find. Uh, two, I don't know how we're going to maintain it. Three, if we are to build it, we're taking away time and resources and money from actually bettering these consumer products uh, that we ship out for our clients. And then fourth is we don't know who's going to be held accountable if there is a breach because we now have a neon sign pointing down below us um, with a Where's Waldo page for hackers to find. And once they find the Waldo and they find the back door, um, we don't know what's going to happen with that information and who's going to be held accountable. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me on the final day of AppCon. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day, and thank you so much for coming. For sure. Thank you. I am hanging out with Lindsay Cox. Lindsay, what is your business, and what what are you guys doing? So, hey, I'm here with uh, Launch Tennessee. We're a public-private partnership promotes entrepreneurship and tech-based economic development across the state. Just really excited to be here um, talking with other people who care about similar issues that we do. Uh, Particular interest for us today is uh, broadband accessibility. It's something that we are actually working on legislatively from a state level, so really curious what the the federal government is doing and how we can uh, help speed that process along. We're also interested in talent and workforce development. It's something we're seeing a shortage of in Tennessee, so anything we can do uh, to help get get more people engaged, whether that be on the K through 12 level or after, uh, with becoming you know tech enabled employees, is great for us. So, of the issues that we're going to be discussing here at AppCon, what would you say impacts your business the most? Mm-hmm. Well, since we're really a statewide organization, I would say the broadband accessibility is of special interest to us. We want, uh, we believe that entrepreneurs can come from anywhere and stay in their hometowns and grow and be successful there, but they can't do that without broadband internet. So that's that's definitely uh, of interest to us this week. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure I will be talking to you later at AppCon. Thanks so much. And now it's time for our random identifier. Nick, what are you sharing with us this time around? So after uh, AppCon last week, I wanted to be uh, fairly lazy this past weekend. And so I sat around and I just watched the NFL draft. And I was not the only one. There were over 45 million viewers over the course of the weekend that watched parts of the NFL draft. And And Alex was one of them. (laughs) Okay. Let me get through this before the jokes get started. Um, I think the cool thing about the NFL draft, or an interesting tidbit, is that these NFL teams um, use so much analytics, so much data. Uh, The NFL Combine was a few months ago, and they had all these players run the 40-yard dash, do the bench press of 225 pounds as many times as they could, jump as high as they could. And at the end of the day, Alex, hold on. At the end of the day, <laughs> these uh, these GMs of these teams um, made their final decisions based on gut in- instinct, at least most of the time. Okay, that's all fun. That's great. Please explain to me why people... So basically what you're saying is that you spent time yes. watching people decide via mostly their gut, but a little bit really cool stuff that technology allowed for. Yeah. Um, and you just like... It's basically like watching people pick like a dodgeball team. I mean, granted, it happens to be the NFL, but, like, 
but this you just is watch gym. people, yeah, pick teams. <laughs> I, I just don't understand the draw. Like, what do you get out of it? Or like, what, so, what, so, what is, what are you really watching? So for, it, it's kind of like, the, do either of you really enjoy kind of like the sort of like human resources or HR component of things? It's it's no. ide- it's identifying. No oh, one I do. likes HR. No one liked Toby in the office. <laughs> yes, I guess that's true. But I mean, like, I I don't know. I I I enjoy. There are so many different positions. I'm just going to keep going. There are so many different positions that an NFL team could have. And, and the strategy involved of trying to find the best players that fit your team and trying to compete against th- 31 other teams to find the best players in a certain order to make your team better. And I just you get enjoy to this, know this, this news first. Like You get to yeah, see what your team is doing it, before. So it's for it's the like, fans. It's, it's for the fans. It's great reality television. Lots of trades and 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 things happen go on between between teams it's exciting promise me just watch it next year yeah so so, (laughs) speaking of fandoms fandoms, um and another one of nick's fandoms specifically many of you know that he is obsessed with the west wing um and by obsessed i mean um i mean obsessed and (laughs) and i have started watching it a little bit because he pressured me to but also because it turns out it's a really great show Mm -hmm. that's right spread the good word alex i will do that because it's pretty fascinating i grew up here in dc and i have spent most of my professional life working in various capacities in or around the hill and one of the things that i didn't realize is how sort of accurate the west wing is but also it just like is very inspiring. I think sometimes if you're somebody who deals with folks on the Hill, uh, it's nice to see that there are um, ideal ways that things could turn out. So, yes. So, everyone, (laughs) you heard it directly from Alex, stop whatever you're doing and go watch The West Wing. Which, um, yeah, it's true. You really should. It's really good. I mean, it's no Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but, like, it is pretty great. Well, speaking of The West Wing, Kanye West. (laughs) Um... (laughs) 2024, right? 2024, maybe 2020. <laughs> who knows what what will happen here? Um, so I have been a longtime follower on Twitter, not in real life, of Kanye West, <laughs> and he has he took a break from Twitter for a while. He did. Um, he it was like Wiz wears cool pants. Yeah, he then, acted out, yeah. kind of bashed Wiz Khalifa and and some other people, and and now he's back and he's acting out again. Um, this time now he's getting political getting philosophical and he is getting inappropriate uh he is posting screenshots of his friends texts to him um which is very messy and if you know anything about me like i just love messy situations i'm not involved in so i'm living for all of this but i'm also like cringing a little bit yeah i mean i think it shows at least kanye is willing to maybe like learn a little bit from the people around him from his friends yeah, but so so what long I'm, gone are the days of him being upset over the disruption of his creative process, and more he wants us all to witness the creative process. This is supposedly also all part of like his book that is happening in real time. No editor; it's just like on Twitter. He's disrupting my creative process. Like I was kind of <laughs> late getting like podcast things together because Kanye West tweets. So, so like so, so here's my conspiracy theory here, and I think I the the answer is pretty obvious, and I think I'm right. Is Caitlin? He has a few albums coming up in the in the near future, doesn't he? Isn't this all just sort of 
attention-grabbing behavior from Kanye to get people maybe of increased demographics than what he would normally reach out to before to pay attention to him and maybe buy some of his music on, you know, Apple iTunes, which is our uh, tech history of the month. Apple Music. So he does <laughs> he does have a few albums coming out in June, and um, I, this could be a, you know, ploy to get more attention to that and... I will leave you with a saying that you probably have not heard, but the devil works hard, but Kris Jenner works harder. And with that, we end our random identifier Thank God. <laughs> That's it for Tech Swamp. If you heard anything on here that piqued your interest, head over to our website and make your way to the podcast section. We'll have notes on today's episode that include links to all the good stuff. And we want to give a shout out to Brad Goodall, who composed our podcast awesome music. Thanks, Brad. And don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. And of course, we'd love a rate and review. Special thanks to Miguel Castro, Lindsay Cox, Jim Kathman, Emily Hirsch, and Thomas Gorchinski for joining us on Tech Swamp. That's all for today, folks. Everyone say bye. Bye. Bye.